Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. Come on and bless him. Come on. Come on and bless him. Oh, God. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you. God bless you. Get your Bibles, if you would, and remain standing in the sanctuary for the word that is recorded in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number four. Galatians chapter number four. Hallelujah is where you'll find us today. And we're going to read beginning at verse 30. Galatians chapter four. Thank you, God. Galatians chapter four. And verse number 30. If you're there, would you say amen? Okay, some of y'all still turning. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 30. And we're only going to read one verse. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to talk to you for a few moments from the subject. Haggai has to leave this house. Haggai has to leave this house. So much of our life is the result of choices. I know we like to blame people for the things that happen to us. But if we would have an honest, reflective moment, so much of the quality of our life, the blessings of our life, the decisions or the um, impact of our life is tied to our choices. In so many cases, we choose whether we live in peace or confusion, we choose whether we live in power or weakness. We choose whether we live in sickness or health. We choose whether we live in poverty or prosperity. Um, there are those random situations. But if everybody would be honest, some of the things that happened to us were a direct result of the choices that we made. And that's why the Bible talks a great deal about choices. Because if it's true in the natural arena, it's true in the spiritual arena. That, praise our God, you're either saved or lost. You're either strong or weak. You're either, either backslidden or revived because of your choices. Moses was talking to the young generation as they were entering the promised land. And he made this statement in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you 
that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that thou and thy seed may live. And that choice is still with us now. I can choose to live or I can choose to die. I can choose to be saved or I can choose to be lost. I can choose to grow or I can choose to regress. And if I would be honest, I cannot blame anybody for the outcome of my life because God gave us something called free will. And free will says you can have this if you want it or you can choose something else. And, and that's really the work of Satan. What, what Satan does, what Satan does so well is that he muddies the choices for us. And when, the cho when, when it's clear what we ought to do, when it's clear how we ought to act, when it's clear what we should believe, Satan comes in with what, and they call it now alternative facts, other information, other things to confuse and other things to bind. And, and, and the real struggle that most of us have is not that we don't want to live for God, but the real struggle is a lot of us are just confused, confused about our choices. Because Satan keeps telling us there's a different way, there's another way, there's another plan, there's something else you can do, something else you should do. And so he's always muddying the choices. That being said, based on these biblical facts, there are too many believers who, have, who are bound because they have chosen bondage. I'll say it again. We blame people for bondage when reality free people have chosen to go back to bondage. People who have been freed by the blood, delivered by the power of the Holy Ghost, set free by the hand of God himself, have deliberately elected, chosen, opted to go back into bondage. And the, and the purpose of today's message is to help us clarify the choice. Now, if you choose bondage, I really can't stop you. One of the frustrating um, nuances of being a pastor is that you see people struggle when you know there's a better way. Come on here, somebody. You see people flounder. You see people drift. You see people wallow and almost die when you know there's a better way. If they would just make a different choice because the reason why I'm saved is not because of my goodness. I just made a different choice. I need an honest witness in here. The reason why my life is blessed is not because I'm better than anybody else and it's not because God loves me more than he loves anybody else. It's just about the fact that I made a different choice. Some of you are sitting here now alive only because you made a different choice. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Shataya. Everything that could have gone against you went against you, but I chose to live chose to follow God. I chose to humble myself under the hand of God. And that choice has impacted my life. And so that's what I want to talk about for a few moments today. The book of Galatians, where this text is found, um, is 
called the Magna Carta of the church. And it was written by the Apostle Paul who, to believers who were on the islands of Galatia. And these Gentile Christians were saved primarily through the preaching and the teaching of Paul. Paul went on his missionary journey and he preached and he ministered and people got saved, just got saved in the islands of Galatia. And Paul, because he was an apostle and because he had to move on, he moved on. And when he went to another place, then suddenly these other infiltrators come into the church. And, and I keep saying this because I need y'all to get this, that the greatest, the greatest challenge of the church right now is bad information. That's the greatest challenge. Because right now everybody is on the airwaves. Everybody's streaming something. Everybody's on YouTube or Facebook or Ystream or praise our God, Instagram. And, 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 and I'm thanking God for the mediums because it's helping us get the gospel out. But the dangerous part about so many people, for every truth teller, Satan puts a liar. Okay, that went over somebody's head. For every preacher that is telling the truth, there's a liar out there spreading lies. And, and because they're appealing to what people want to hear, because people have itching ears, because people are inclined to want to accept something that they think is new and improved or better, praise our God, people are falling for this false teaching. That's why your Bible says, stand in the way. Ask for the whole path. And I know that doesn't sound like progressive thinking, and I'm a progressive person. And I believe in the progression of methodology, but the principles of the word have to remain the same. If God required every one of us to be born again when I got saved in 1976, then guess what? In 2021, if you want to go to heaven, you still got to be born again. But there's always somebody teaching something that's erroneous teaching something that's false. And it was no different in Galatia. These Judaizers, as they were called, came into the church, and they came with this notion, this nuance, that in order to be saved, if you were a Gentile, you had to first become a proselytized Jew. And once you adapted to Judaism or to the Mosaic Covenant, then you could come and be saved. So you couldn't come just to the cross. You had to come by way of the tabernacle of Moses. And that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And, and, and it is understood, and I need you to understand this, that law, nobody's law can save you. Hallelujah. I believe in holiness. I believe in righteous living. But righteous living has to be an inside-out proposition. Oh, hallelujah. We have tried too long, even in the Pentecostal church, to impose righteousness on people by a list of rules and regulations and guidelines. You gotta do this and you gotta do that. And that's not holiness. That's man-made self-righteousness. Because when God makes you holy, he starts on the inside. There are too many folks dressed to look holy, but they have not been delivered. They have not been freed. They have not been sanctified. All they've done is change their clothes. And underneath those holy clothes is a lot of raggedy attitudes. Underneath those holy clothes is a lot of ungodly dispositions. Underneath those holy clothes is still a whore. Underneath those holy clothes is still a Casanova. 
underneath those holy clothes is still a homosexual and still a lesbian. Because when the Lord saves you, he starts with your spirit. If all your flesh did was conform to norms, you weren't saved. But if you were born again, it starts on the inside. Oh, hallelujah. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I remember vividly people who were addicted to alcohol, but when they left the altar, they never wanted another drink again. Didn't go to AA, didn't go to 12 steps, didn't do any of that. I'm not knocking it, but when you've been delivered, you don't have to have it because when the Lord frees you, he frees you. No folk that smoke two and three packs of cigarettes a day but when they left the altar, oh, hallelujah, they gave it up. Come on, so anybody want to testify about you? Come on, somebody. No folk that couldn't, thought they could never live without the physical affection of a man or a woman. But when they got saved, the Lord freed them, and he became their partner. Why? Because it started on the inside. Started on the inside. And these Judaizers were trying to propagate a doctrine that said we got to keep all of these rules to be saved. And here's, here's the good news. When God has truly saved you, the Bible says that the Holy Ghost will lead you, guide you, and direct you into all, all truth. Anybody here ever gave up something and then found out it was a sin? Just because the Holy Ghost told you, leave it alone. You hadn't been to enough Bible class to know to give X, Y, or Z up, but the Holy Spirit just said it doesn't fit your new life, doesn't fit your new behavior, and because it doesn't fit, he took things off of you. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to move on. It is more, oh God, efficacious when the Holy Ghost takes something from you than when man takes something from you. Because when the Holy Ghost does it, you leave it alone. If a man takes it, you're going to always be leaning back to what you gave up. But when the Holy Ghost frees you of the very taste of the sin you were engaged in, then not only are you saved, you've been delivered. Any delivered people in here had, oh God, had habits, had behaviors, had mindsets, but thank God he delivered us. Thank God he freed us. Thank God, hallelujah, he sanctified us. Well, Paul keeps trying to emphasize to the church their need to be free, their need to walk in their freedom. And so he writes this letter as a means of trying to push people into living in the free life that God has given them. And because he wants to be very careful, and even in this day and age, we have to be careful that in our attempt to preach righteousness, preach holiness, that we do it in the context of the grace of God. How many folk know you've been saved by grace? See, see, see and, and I, I need to help you understand this, because if you know it's grace, gratitude follows grace. Oh, I, okay, y'all didn't catch that. Gratitude follows grace. 
When you think you did it, you sit in church like a peacock, showing off and acting like you're this and that or the other. But when you know it was nothing but the grace of God, gratitude gratitude comes out of your spirit because I know this wasn't me. If the Lord hadn't saved me, I would have died and gone to a devil's hell. But it was grace. I did not deserve it. I did not earn it. I was not good enough. Didn't come from the right house or the right family. But it was the grace of God that freed me and delivered me. I need a grateful person in this house that is thankful for the grace of God just to celebrate God's grace. I'm not supposed to be here, not supposed to be alive, but it's the grace. Oh, Satana, I can't judge anybody because I'm here by grace. I can't put anybody down because I'm here by grace. I can't judge anybody because I'm here by grace. Oh, God, somebody shout grace. 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 Grace that saved us. Oh, Satana, no, Satana, Grace that freed us. See, you don't understand my dance because you don't know where I came from. Because I haven't told you everything. Oh, shut up. Just told you what I thought you could take and what I thought you could handle. But I've come through hell and high water. But it was grace that delivered me. People said I was worthless. But it was grace that saved me. People said I didn't count and I didn't matter. But it was grace. Oh, shut up. Grace, 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 grace. Grace that did this for me. Grace that freed me. Y'all sit down for a second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to get so hyped so early. It was grace. And Paul keeps reminding the Galatian church that you were saved by grace. And you were saved by promise. And because You've been saved by promise. You have to be watchful because the enemy is always trying to bring believers back into bondage. Oh, hallelujah. He's not satisfied that you're free. He wants you bound. And he'll use anything and anybody to bring you back into bondage. He'll even use the church culture to bring you into bondage and have you stressed because certain folk don't like you and certain folk talk about you and look at you funny. Talk about me, but I'm free. I tell you, lie on me, but I'm free. Say I don't fit in, maybe I don't fit in, but I'm free. Oh God, and he has made me accepted in the beloved. So here is Paul trying to drive this point home. And I'm looking at my phone because my notes are there. I couldn't get them on my iPad, so y'all just hang with me. Um, Here is Paul struggling with the church to get them to remember the value of their freedom. 
And so he uses the story of Abraham. And I, don't, I probably won't finish it, so I'm going to give you all a piece of it because I got six life lessons I need you all to get. And I don't get them all. You'll get them next week. He, 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 the primary characters of the story are Abraham, Sarah, his wife, and her handmaiden, Hagar. And Sarah and Abraham are old. In fact, they are 70, he's 75 years old when the Lord tells him that his 70-year-old wife is going to have a baby. Come on here, somebody. Abraham, come on out. I'm going to bless you. I'm not going to ask those of you who are 70 years old to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But I need you to imagine your spouse coming home saying, baby, the Lord told me we're going to have a baby. And that's why the Bible says Sarah laughed. Don't, don't start laughing. All right? You might get pregnant if you laugh. Don't start laughing. Sarah laughed at this because it was, it, it was beyond belief, mainly because not only was she old, but she had never had a child. She had never experienced childbirth. And yet here is God saying, Sarah, you're going to have a child. They have the promise. But because of their doubt, because of their uneasiness with how God said it was going to happen, they were always trying to help God. First, Abraham comes to God and says, well, can my eldest and most senior and trusted servant become my heir, Eleazar? And God said, no, I didn't choose Eleazar. And then Sarah starts thinking, and the more she starts thinking about having a child, the more far-fetched it becomes. And so she says to, the, she says to Abraham, Abraham, I'm too old for this stuff. I've, I've passed my prime. I've passed my childbearing years. I've stopped ovulating. It just ain't there, Abraham. But if God's going to do this, maybe God will do this through my handmaiden. Got a little Egyptian slave girl named Haggai. And she's young and she's pretty and she's attractive. And I'm going to give her to you. Abraham looked at Haggai. This must be the Lord. Come on, somebody. Because Sarah is 80. Haggai is 18. This must be the Lord. God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. So with permission, now please understand that Abraham had Haggai's permission, and this was, I know it's not, it, it doesn't fit the context of holiness now, but in this day and age, it, in that day and age, it was not uncommon for a woman to give her handmaiden to her husband as a sexual partner. It wasn't, it wasn't uncommon. So Abraham, and Abraham is a, is a G, without the benefit of Viagra, he is able to conceive, okay, y'all being real holy today. He's able to conceive a child with Haggai. And I need you to get this first life lesson that you've got it. When you are living in promise, when you are living on the promises of God, you've got to be careful not to allow other things to compromise God's promise in your life. So life lesson number one, when God makes a promise, trust his promise. 
God didn't say Eleazar. God didn't say use Hagar. God said, I'm going to make it so that you and Sarah can have this child. And you know what? God makes promises that baffle the mind. But if God puts his word out there, as sure as you're sitting in that seat, God's going to do what he promised. He said, by two immutable things, it is impossible for God to lie. So when God says it, I don't care if nobody else believes it. Wrap your faith around it and and say, God, I know that you're able to do it. Oh, Shatai, anybody living on God's promise right now? He's promised me stuff. And that's why you can't tell everybody about God's promise. Because there's so many doubters in the church. And there's so many doubters in your family. But you got to be careful that you don't negate God's promise. And you got to be careful that you don't stop what God has said because God can do a lot of things but the one thing he cannot do is lie because he has tied everything around his word oh God the grass withers and the flower fadeth but the word of our God shall stand forever oh hallelujah heaven and earth shall pass away but my word shall not pass away what you mean, Bishop? That before God can lie, oh God, the earth is going to disappear. Before God can lie, the sea will dry up. Before God lies, the mountains will fall off the shelf. Because everything that lives, lives by the word of God. So if God said it, I need to believe it. And let that settle it. Forever in heaven, thy word is settled. I'm talking to somebody in here. God gave you a promise. And it doesn't look like it's coming to pass. God gave you a promise. And the liars are in your head. God gave God gave you a promise and demons are trying to make you doubt but we sung a song in the old church that you can't make me doubt it cause I know too much about it take a look at God's track record hadn't he always come through on time take a look at God's record this is not the first time he made a way open a door healed your body raised you up made ways out of nowhere why would he lie to you now God is not a man that he should lie neither the son of man that he should repent has he not said it will he not do it has he not spoken will he not make it good somebody in this house throw your hands up and say promise throw your hands up and say promise you promise to bring me out you promise to deliver me you promise to heal my heart you promise to save my daughter you promise to deliver my son you promise to keep me strong you promise to make a way out of nowhere I need somebody to celebrate did he say it? Did he say it? Did he say it? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? If you believe it, give God the glory. If you believe it, open your mouth and praise him for the promise. I don't 
he promised. I don't feel it, but he promised. Nobody prophesied, but he promised. And what he promised, he'll make it good. What he promised, he'll do it. What he promised. I got to quit. Come on, stay. Come on, stay. I'm done. I'm done. I got to hit it next week. Come on, stay. But he promised. Tell two people he promised. Oh, Shatari. Come on, tell him he promised. I know we social distant. Point to somebody say, he promised. Oh, Shatana Masa. He promised. When God made oath to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And there was nowhere for God to swear by. How do you swear by the heaven that you made? How do you swear by the earth you created? How do you swear by it? Because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And the only word he used was surely. Somebody throw your hands up and shout, surely. That's God promising you. Surely I'll bless you. Surely I'll deliver you. Surely I'll make a way. Surely I'll open the door. Surely I'll push back the internet. Surely I'll bring down the hot place. Surely I'll fill up the valley. Surely, surely, surely I'll do it, church. Somebody throw your head back and just say, surely. Surely. I got his promise. I got his oath. I got his oath. I got his promise. If God gives his word, he puts his name behind his word. You know what that means? That means if I don't do it, I got to resign as God. He is so sure of his ability that if he doesn't do it, so, so, I'm going to make the altar call, but I need everybody in here that got a promise just to start giving God the glory for the promise. God has promised. I got his promise. I never leave you. I never forsake you. I've got his promise. You cry, I'll deliver you. I got his promise. You call me, I'll answer. I got his promise. If I speak it, it's coming to pass. If I speak it, it's coming to pass. If I shut up on the it is coming to pass. I speak those things that are not as though they were. I speak those things that are not as though they were. I speak those things that are not as though they were. I'm going to say this, and I need y'all to understand this. 
when you pray for something and the Lord doesn't do it the way we thought he should do it, it undermines your faith. Everybody in here prayed for Michael, travailed for Michael, cried for Michael. I sat in that room and I begged God to save his life. I begged God to spare his life. And if I could be honest, yes, I was thinking about him, but I was thinking about all of us. And when God doesn't do it the way we wanted him to do it, it challenges our faith. But part of faith, church, listen to me, is an acceptance of the sovereignty of God. Oh, Shatama. And what makes your faith faith is that even when he didn't do it the way I asked him to do it, He's still God, and he's still able. Oh, Shatama, somebody lift your hands and say, Lord, you're still God, and you're still able. Oh, Shatama, you're still God, and you're still able. You're still God, and you're still able. Oh, Shatama, give me grace. For this moment, give me grace for this season. But I declare out of my mouth that you are still God and you are still able. We hope that you were blessed by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215. Or email us, info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you, and until next time, shalom, shalom.